This is Dennis Rundy. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda. Our guest today here at Spirit Matters, and you find us at spiritmatterstalk.com, is M.C. Yogi. Uh, he is a U.S. hip-hop musician and a yogi. His music style characteristically contains themes promoting Hindu philosophy, and many of his songs are bhajans. He's the second hip-hop artist we've had that is very spiritual. The other was Russell Simmons. And MC, I, as I mentioned before the show to you, I'm familiar with your work, and I, and I really enjoy it. And I know people in Europe that have already contacted me and were excited you were coming on the show. So thanks so very much for taking the time to come on with us today. Uh, it's my honor. I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me. MC, you've had uh, a very interesting life uh, in your few decades, and uh, you came to uh, the, the place you're at as a, as a sort of um, representative of the yoga philosophy um, through hip-hop in an interesting way. Maybe you could give uh, our listeners a little of your background and how this all came to be. Well, early on in my life, um, I was really keen, and actually I still am, I was really interested in comic books. And somewhere along the line, um, I got a hold of these comic books that were published by Amar Chittakata. It's, it's an Indian publishing company that puts out um, Hindu philosophy in the form of comic books. And because I'd grown up, you know, reading Spider-Man and X-Men, and when I got a hold of these comic books about Ganesh and Hanuman and Shiva, to me, they were, you know, they're like superheroes. And so I got really inspired, and I, I, I went on a quest and a pilgrimage to discover more about the philosophy of, of not just the deities, but also, you know, the, the Yoga Sutras, the Eight Limbs of Patanjali, and, you know, there's such a deep, rich sort of tre treasure chest of philosophy that's, that's um, in India. And so I, you know, made several journeys to, to the subcontinent, studied with a lot of gurus, a lot of different teachers, um, had the good fortune of um, having, you know, incredible mentors and people who helped me along the way. Um, and hip-hop was really the soundtrack to that whole experience. So I grew up, when I grew up, I was kind of, I was kind of a menace. <laughs> and I was a troublemaker and, and a juvenile delinquent. So I got, I got kicked out of a lot of high schools and I ended up um, finishing high school at a group home for at-risk youth in Northern California. I was there for about two and a half, three years. And when I graduated from that program, um, that's when I, I discovered yoga thanks to my dad. And that was around the time when I, you know, started to really dive deep into the, not just the philosophy, but the practices. You know, I, I stopped eating beef and became vegetarian at that time and um, was essentially celibate, living like a monk and just devoted my whole life to really embodying and understanding and learning and absorbing these teachings um, as best I could. And, and that process has gone on now for 15 years. Yeah. A MC, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, so you came to yoga, not just uh, like many folks do as a form of exercise or to stretch or uh, to be better at sports. Uh, you came to yoga actually as a seeker looking for, it sounds to me like you were looking for a higher state of consciousness, enlightenment, uh, inner development. Uh, is that right? And and how, how how did that happen with you coming out of such a, um, uh, in some ways a troubled uh, childhood where you were living in a group home for a while and for at-risk youth? Uh, how did that, it seems like such a contrast, 
How did that take place? And was that, in fact, your goal going into yoga, achieving higher states of consciousness? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. That's a great point. Um, I think growing up, you know, my mom gave me this book when I was at the group home called Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Mm-hmm. And around that same time, this is sort of the mid to late 90s, I was a really big fan of the Beastie Boys. And one of the members of that group, it was a hip-hop group from New York, uh, his name was MCA, and he put out this song called Bodhisattva Vow, which was a, basically the first time I'd really heard you know, Buddhism and spirituality, uh, Eastern, that sort of Eastern philosophy come through a hip hop song. So I immediately became really intrigued and, and it kind of sparked my interest and my curiosity. And it was, you know, just, there was a certain amount of sort of clues that were laid out on the path. Um, another one was like, I think it was my dad gave me autobiography of the yogi by Paramahamsa Yogananda. And so these little sort of flashing signs along the way, they were pointing to something greater mm-hmm. than what I was experiencing through drugs and, and, and through, you know, going to raves and parties and all those, you know, uh, rites of passage as, you know, being a teenager in America, going through all that stuff and feeling like there's got to be something more. There's got to be something beyond just what I'm experiencing with my senses. And that's really what led me to ask the question and dig into into becoming a yogi. Very interesting. Actually, I don't know how many people uh, who know you through your uh, music uh, know that you are a, a trained yoga teacher and that you and uh, your wife, Amanda, I think you, you, you had a yoga studio before you ever made any of your CDs. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's right. Actually, uh, after returning from our first pilgrimage to India, we opened the doors to our yoga studio in the Bay Area in Northern California in a little town called Point Reyes Station. And that was about, I want to say it was about 14 or 13 or 14 years ago. And I had been an MC before that because I, you know, when I was in high school, I would, I was what you would call like a a battle rapper where I would go and battle other MCs and and we'd have, you know, we call ciphers where, you know, hip-hop at that time was really um, strong. There's break dancers, and I, I grew up as a graffiti artist, standing in the train yards, you know, the freight trains, and under tunnels and overpasses and on freeways. I ended up getting arrested a bunch of times for that, which was one of the reasons why I was getting into so much trouble, because mm. I was sneaking out to paint art every night, and and that was that led to all kinds of really weird, crazy, scary, awesome adventures. That, that this book that I'm writing about spiritual graffiti, um, I'm going to really kind of start to open up and share some of those stories because in, in some ways I shouldn't even be alive. <laughs> I mm-hmm. had so many near-death experiences that it's really a miracle that I'm here and I really uh, I give credit to my yoga meditation practice. I think it's, it's helped me sort of live to tell, you know, to tell the story. MC, when did you uh, start performing in front of live audiences with the lyrics uh, of Indian Hindu philosophy or Buddhism, and, and what kind of audiences did you, did you attract, and how did they react to it? Uh, uh, did, did they pick up on your spiritual message, or did it go over their heads? What was your experience with the audiences? Well, that's a great question, and actually, MC Yogi was born on a rooftop in South India in Mysore. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a I was studying with Abhi Joyce, who's the guru of Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga, which is a very vigorous form of Hatha Yoga. 
Uh, my wife and I were living with an Indian family um, just up the road from the school, Amma and Appa, and we'd go and practice meditation and yoga every morning. And at that time, this was, had to have been like our second or third trip to India. And I was feeling so just juiced and lit up and charged and, and electric and excited. And, you know, when you, when you eat really well and you meditate every morning and you're kind of in your 20s and you've got all this energy pumping through you, uh, I just had to express this energy. So I've been working on these songs, this mythology and philosophy and putting them into rhyme form. And I, I talked to a man, I said, you know, there's so much that we're getting from yoga, from this culture, from this tradition. It would be so awesome for us to give back something, you know, as a thank you. And we decided to put on a free concert uh, in India. And so we made these little handmade sort of graffiti posters and we wheat pasted them around the city. And we just put the word out, like whoever wants to come to this free concert, I've been writing these songs, come show up, it'll be fun. And that night we got to the rooftop and it was packed. It was, there was no room. Like it, <laughs> somehow the word got out and that's how MCOU was born um, on a rooftop in India. Wow. Were they mostly young people? You know, it was a real mixed bag because um, there were some locals and there was like a lot of people who had actually traveled from Europe and Israel and Brazil. Um, a lot of people who were in India studying yoga. So it was a lot of, you know, fellow students and truth seekers and people who were, you know, kind of in the same boat, you know, studying and practicing and meditating every day. So it was kind of to like-minded people, which was really cool. That, that brings me to a, a question I wanted to ask. Um, have you performed your uh, hip-hop music as it comes through in Elephant Power and your other albums, um, where you're taking themes from the Puranas and the famous, what we think of as Hindu mythology. Have you performed those in India to Indian audiences, mm -hmm. and how are they received? Uh, I have, and it's been really awesome. Um, you know, close to where I live now in Northern California, there's um, the largest Vedanta re retreat center in the world. Right. Um, it's the, the tradition of um, Sri Ramakrishna and Swami Vivekananda have a beautiful center here that's just sprawling acres. Of, it's basically a forest hermitage for monks and nuns. And I've, I've been going there for a long time and, you know, I'm friends with the monks. And, and um, every year they have their Gandhi camp for the youth and it's pretty much 99% um, Indian community. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people from the South Bay and different parts of the Bay Area. And, um, you know, I've, I perform and the kids love it. I've performed at Hindu festivals and down in the South Bay, up in Oregon, performed at electronic music festivals in India. We perform at the Holy Festival in Utah, um, in Spanish Fork, Utah, of all places. Mm -hmm. And we had about twenty to 30,000 kids there two days in a row, and I headlined that event. Um, and so I performed it in all kinds of different venues from, you know, the white house to the Smithsonian Institute to stay, I, you know, I presented at Stanford university. Um, and so it's, I, I like what Krishna Das says, you know, people ask Krishna Das, a great, um, American singer who's a good friend of mine. They ask him, are you a Hindu? And he, in his replies, no, I'm more of an undo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, AMC, I, I wanted to, yeah. Go ahead. 
Well, I was just gonna, I just gonna say, you know, people ask me, well, are you a rapper? And I said, no, I'm more of an unwrapper <laughs> because it's not so much about, I'm, I'm not interested in like a religious doctrine. You know, I'm not a fundamentalist or a dogmatic religious person. I, you know, I'm kind of a poet and a mystic and a graffiti artist. And I'm just sharing the things that I've learned along the way that I really love and have helped me in my life to live a better life. So I, you know, the idea that I, I'm not Hindu, you know, I do Buddhist songs too. You know, I grew up as a Christian, but the most important thing for me is really what's at the root, that what's at the core of what religion is pointing to. Bruce Lee has that really beautiful line in Enter the Dragon where he says, look, and he's pointing to the moon and he smacks the student on the head. He says, don't look at my finger. Look at what the finger's pointing to. Otherwise, you're going to miss all that heavenly glory. Mm. Wow. I have to. It's not about religion. Yeah, MC, I wanted to ask you, how did the uh, invitation to the uh, White House take place? You know, it was so cool because my wife Amanda and I, who, who's also an incredible artist in her own right, she's a she's a painter. She's in the process of painting ten thousand Buddhas right now. I think she's up to like seven thousand, and she's doing these incredible murals all over the, the country and the world. And one day we were on tour, and we came home, and there was that. This is before, you know, kind of, I want to say maybe eight years ago. And there was a flashing light back when we had answering machines. And Amanda went to go um, check the answering machine, and it was a message that says, hello, this is a call from the White House. Um, this is the secretary of Michelle Obama, and we'd like to inform you that, that you've been selected to become faith ambassadors for the first lady of the United wow. States of America. Huh. And we thought it was a joke. We yeah. thought <laughs> someone we knew was pulling our leg. And so we kind of had a good laugh about it. And then we kind of realized that, no, this is actually serious. And so we, we got in touch with the White House and, you know, they did a background check and um, they must have missed a bunch of things I did when I was in <laughs> And so we ended up becoming faith ambassadors for Michelle Obama. And, you know, we, we've done stuff going into schools and, you know, I spent some time going into juvenile hall um, and really just bringing sort of mindfulness into these different areas of our society. And, and then we got a call, I think it was maybe the following year, saying that the First Lady is having this event on the White House lawn where they're going to have, I think, some, somewhere in the range of like 50,000 Americans are going to be coming through that day. And we'd love to have you guys come and teach yoga. And it was in partnership with Lululemon and a great group of yoga teachers from all around the country, um, you know, yoga teachers who'd gone to war in Iraq and uh, my friend, he, he, he had no, he was missing his legs and he teaches yoga. We had teachers from New York city teachers from, you know, deep in the South. And it was a real great, to me, it was a great um, embodiment of really America, the melting pot and how yoga has reached so many different kinds of people in America. And then to be able to turn around and share those, those meditation and, and, mindfulness practices in front of the White House is like, it's sort of like a dream. And now I think we've done that maybe four or five times now. How um, wonderful. You know, I, in my talks uh, about American Veda, I, I'll often mention you as being um, a musical ambassador of these teachings in the, in the same kind of tradition uh, as the Beatles. Uh, and they did it with rock and roll, and now it's a generation or two later, and you're doing it through hip-hop. Um, and I'm delighted to hear that, that 
you're well received in India and in the uh, Hindu American community. I've actually played Son of Shiva to Hindu audiences as an example, and watching it is fabulous because some people at first are offended because it seems like this is disrespectful, you know, this kind of music. But when they hear the lyrics, uh, you know, I actually had an old Indian woman stand up and and defend you (laughs) and say he gets the meaning right. Right. And that's, I think, the critical thing. You're really well grounded and and the lyrics are so very so clever that the the story gets comes through. Uh, Just a comment. (laughs) Well, that's. You know, I want to thank you, Phil, because that's such a huge honor to to be anywhere near um, the Beatles. It's just that's that's <laughs> extremely humbling. You know, that's one of my one of my favorite groups of all time. I grew up. Sgt. Pepper right. was one of the first um, albums that I ever had growing right. up, uh, along with Bob Marley, Exodus, and of course the BC Boys and Run DMC and all that all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, no, I really appreciate that because I think maybe what people don't know about me is that, um, you know, I've devoted my life to these practices and these teachings and it's not a gimmick. Uh, it's not sort of like a marketing thing or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's really, this is who I am. This is how I live. This is, you know, what I believe in. And, uh, one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm so grateful to be living in America is that, that we live under this banner of religious freedom Mm-hmm. and the ability to worship and, and, and practice in a way that, that is fit for us so long as we don't hurt other people. And, mm-hmm. and it's really been my intention to like share these teachings in a way that's fun and accessible and, um, and hopefully people can take benefit. Right. I wanted to follow up on that, uh, MC. And, uh, you know, you practice yoga. I assume you have other spiritual practice, maybe meditation, whatever. But when you're actually doing your hip-hop, when you're singing these songs or rapping these songs with the uh, lyrics that have to do with uh, uh, with spirituality. Uh, is that for you a spiritual practice? Is it like a Hare Krishna chanting the Hare Krishna mantra or somebody else doing a bhajan or some uh, Gregorian uh, devotional chant by a Christian monk that the actual process of you bringing the music to the people singing is actually for you a spiritual experience and you feel spiritually enlivened and go deeper into this, uh, this depth, uh, this spiritual depth that's within us during your performances? Well, I, you know, I, I just want to commend you because, you know, I, I had an interview yesterday and you guys, it, it's really refreshing to talk to you guys because I feel <laughs> like you guys just really get it and understand. And, you know, for me, when I perform, when I rhyme, I am braiding all my senses and organizing my internal landscape in such a way that I am fully present. And so, you know, I have to memorize all these lyrics and, and really channel them in a way that's dynamic and, and energized. And for me, it is, it's the, it's the experience of, you know, we talk about being in the flow state, you know, when the mind is like single pointed, uh, you know, in Sanskrit, there's a great term, um, you know, this one-pointed awareness um, that kind of leads to samadhi. And and for me, when I'm performing and channeling the, the poems or, or the songs, I have that experience of um, really being 
connected and harmonized with my surroundings and I feel one, you know, with, mm-hmm. with in the moment. And so for me, you're absolutely accurate and right on point. Um, it is a real spiritual experience. And, and the most spiritual part of it is the call and response. And when the audience and the performer are not separate and there's no hierarchy, but actually those walls dissolve and we're all sharing that sound, that moment together, I feel like, every once in a while there'll be you know a performance or a show where the walls and the veil fall down and we're all just present together in the feeling what we call the bob like mm-hmm. in that energy and that mood and uh, that's kind of why i do this is because i just i enjoy that experience so much being connected with everyone and everything wonderful uh mc some of your songs are uh taken uh, from the traditional uh, Indian mythology, what we think of as mythology. Um, you have songs about uh, Ganesh, you have songs about Hanuman, um, and you, you relate the tales, the familiar tales, um, in hip-hop verse. Um, how do you understand those deities? Um, what does what does Ganesha mean to you? What does Hanuman mean to you? If somebody just hearing your your uh, lyrics were to say, well, "What is that all about? Are these you know gods? What are they? How do you explain that?" Also, well, great question. And the way I relate to him personally is um, in the form of um, I really experience them as friends and as family. So I don't. For me, because my relationship is, you know, I've been spending time and in, in chanting the mantras and, and really visualizing on the form and the teachings and the stories, the myths, uh, and what the, you know, I have an understanding of what the symbolism represents. So for me, it's not one-dimensional. Um, these beings are multi-dimensional um, aspects of the universal psyche. Um, you know, I, I really love uh, the work and teachings of Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. and uh, the idea that these are really just beautifully ornate masks through which we can see ourselves reflected back. And ultimately, all these stories and myths are, um, they're sort of divine fabrications that are like that finger pointing to the moon. And we should pay attention to the finger, but we shouldn't negate what the finger is pointing at at the expense of really what is trying to be shown to us. So for me, the gods and the goddesses, and, you know, I have stories about the Buddha and the Dalai Lama and Mahatma Gandhi, and, you know, I essentially see all these beings as mentor beings, as teacher beings. You know, and that's why I relate to them as friends and families, because in my life experience, some of my greatest teachers have been my friends and have been my family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only in human form, but, you know, I, I had the good fortune of um, living with a rescued pit bull named Mo for about 16 years. He just recently passed a few months ago. And I really, uh, my relationship with my dog was, he was my mentor being, you know, in, in the old days, you know, yogis would watch tigers, would watch snakes, would sit by the river and observe, observe and absorb 
the natural movements and ways of, of God's creation and all these creatures, and then they would extract teachings and wisdom from what they saw. And that's how we have the yoga postures, because mm. the ancient rishis and yogis, a lot like the Shaolin monks of China, they would observe the natural world and then mimic that in order to be more harmonious with mm -hmm. nature. Wow. Um, and the same could be said with the gods and the goddesses, is that when we really relate to their stories and, and their myths, we can see how there's aspects of our own life that are being mm -hmm. reflected in these epic tales. I mean, when you think of Ram, Ram and the Ramayana, you know, here is God incarnate, you know, the, who has descended to the earth to restore balance. But even the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who has taken human form, even he is perplexed with his own mind, his own mind. Even he goes through loss and pain and suffering mm -hmm. and torment. So, so for me, it's like these myths, like they teach us that the divine is in us and all around us. And it's actually, it's relatable. It's not, it's not totally mysterious or obscure uh, or occult or anything like that. It's actually in our, it's in our relationship with our friends and our relationship with our family, how we take in our food, you know, how we maintain the order of our mental world. Um, our health, um, all these little rituals and practices, um, th all this I've learned through the teaching of yoga, and mm. and, and I'm forever grateful for that. Right. Good, great, great answer. MC, uh, the New York Times said that MC Yogi may embody the ethos of the Wanderlust Festival more than any other performer. Tell us about that. Tell us about the Wanderlust Festival and, and uh, uh, what your performances are like there, what your experience is like there. Yeah, that's, I mean, Wanderlust is an amazing sort of phenomenon of, you know, uh, all these uh, festivals happen in these really beautiful, breathtaking locations, often and most times on mountains. And uh, the idea behind Wanderlust is to travel someplace beautiful to be inspired and to practice meditation and yoga and listen to music and eat good food and connect with like-minded people. Um, and, you know, there's a great sway saying, not all those who wander are lost. I, was that, maybe that was... Tolkien who said that um <laughs> i don't but know the idea was is that like, it was kind of you know the idea behind these festivals is to break out of the mundane mm -hmm. and have an extraordinary experience with extraordinary people and so i've been doing that since it started maybe six or seven years ago and the classes there i mean it's you know amanda and i have had a yoga studio for about 13 14 mm -hmm. years now and when you teach a yoga class in those environments, like for instance, when they do it in Brooklyn, there's 7,000 people practicing yoga in the park. Wow. Um, <laughs> and we did that last year with Dharma Mitra, who's another great uh, yogi. Uh, we'll be doing that again this year in the fall. And, and a class like that is very different. Um, it's more of a celebration. It's more, um, it's very kind of joyful and there's music and it's fun and there's a lot of laughter um, but we still go deep and, and, and meditate and have that moment where we can sort of share that bliss together. Um, but it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's really been fun and, and inspiring to see how people are taking to the practice and how these festivals are helping to ignite people's practices. I love that you have one in Brooklyn. I agree. Yeah. I grew up th I grew up there a long long time ago before Brooklyn was fashionable and the thought of <laughs> and the, the thought of there being thousands of people doing yoga probably in Prospect Park which was yeah, that's right. 
which was not always a safe place to go when I was growing up, is is really amazing. There is Tell hope. Us, Anything oh, can happen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Phil, Phil, you might you might be the original hipster. <laughs> not not in those no days. No question about but, it. Yeah. <laughs> when um, when you teach, when you and Amanda teach, as opposed to your music, um, are you teaching? Uh, in uh, the form of, of, of a lineage? Is there a particular style of yoga that you teach? Uh, yeah, it's actually a great question. And, you know, so my first Hatha yoga teacher was a man by the name of Larry Schultz, who passed away a couple years ago. He was my mentor, and um, he really took me under his wing. And he was a student of Sri K. Patabi Joyce from mm-hmm. Mysore, South India, who Patabi Joyce, or Guruji, as he's, as he's known by his students, was a student of Krishnamacharya, who um, was the teacher of VKS Iyengar and Indra Devi and so many wonderful sort of iconic teachers who brought the, that, those Hatha Yoga techniques to Western shores. And so my lineage really kind of flows from there. Mm-hmm. And then what Larry did was he kind of deviated from the tradition in a very American way. Um, he was traveling with the Grateful Dead and teaching <laughs> yoga to the Grateful Dead. And as you can imagine, the, the Grateful Dead was not interested in doing a very disciplined, uh, rigorous, yeah. orthodox <laughs> form of yoga. Right. And, and so... Uh, they were jamming they were, with yoga. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well said, well said. So Larry started to jam with them and he started to create the sequence of postures that were that was more accessible to their um, travel schedule, which was really sporadic. And one morning, Larry brought this new revised sequence to them, and Bob Weir said, "You did it, Larry. This is awesome. We can do this." And Larry said, uh, "What should we call it?" And Bob says, "Well, let's call it let's call it the Rocket." And Larry says, "Why are we going to call it Rocket?" And he says, "Because it gets you there quicker." <laughs> and so. But isn't that the American way? Yeah. So, so Larry kind of deviated from the, you know, the tradition, which was very hierarchical. And uh, what it did is it kind of broke the doors open, you know, for people like, you know, Shiva Ray and all these big yoga teachers who have kind of gone on to sort of innovate these sequence of postures that's not a set um, system mm-hmm. that's, you know, sort of rooted in, it's less militaristic mm. in that sense. And it's, and it's a little more, you know, like you said, it's like, it's like the grateful Dead. it's like jamming. <laughs> um, and so that he was my teacher and he really helped to inspire me to adapt the practice, to meet the audience that you're um, working with. Right. Mm. MC, I, I wanted to ask you uh, maybe one final question for me. And that is uh, a lot of young people listen in and uh, a, a lot of them probably go through tough times. And you had a tough childhood. You were in a group home. You had, you had troubles here and there. But you found a way. You found uh, inspiration. Uh, you found a direction. That you, you, you brought great meaning to your life. What message do you have for anybody out there that's listening? Actually, from any age, but especially young people that are struggling a little bit right now about uh, finding a path in life. Well, I would just echo the thing that my brother, my little brother is... Uh, He's a great DJ and musician in his own right. He's actually the official um, DJ for the San Francisco 49ers, and he's he's on the big radio station in San Francisco as well as LA. Huh. And um, and he's he always reminds me whenever I see him. He tells me these two words: keep going. 
Um, and I'm always reminded of that mantra, mm-hmm. um, no matter how hard and difficult things are, just keep going. And one of the things that kept me going through those years was finding a practice and a discipline and a passion, something that, that, that I would wake up on and be excited to develop. Um, and for me, in the early days, it was um, drawing comic books. Then it became painting graffiti. And then it became um, yoga and music. And now I, I, it's sort of like that commencement speech that Steve Jobs gave at Stanford where he talked about how if you look back, um, you can see the constellation, how everything makes sense. You know, why did I study typography in school? That made no sense at the time. But when I went on to develop Apple computers, having that clean typeface that was different than Windows, it really set me apart. And the whole interface mm-hmm. Um, it really sort of changed the game. And so when I look back and look at all the trouble I got into and all the things that I was interested in growing up, and I look at where I'm at now, I can see that because I, I pursued things that I was really passionate about and that I love, even when it didn't make sense, all those things got stored in my bank account mm. of inspiration and karma. And now I can utilize all those tools and those skills that I, de- that I develop. So if you're into photography, if you're into poetry, if you're into dancing, if you're into singing, if you're into science, if you're an engineer, um, whatever really lights you up, whatever you're passionate about, really go for that. But also know that it's not going to happen overnight, that you need to develop lots of different things until you have a huge toolkit. And then that's the moment when you can really start to go out and, and be a benefit. But for all those students out there, I would just say, follow what you love and keep going. Great, great Wonderful. advice. Phil? Speaking about uh, keeping on going, you have a lot of things on your plate. Maybe um, I know people can find out your, your performance schedule at your website, mcyogi.com, but you're also working on a book and a, a new album, I gather. Can you tell us a little about those two projects? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, you know, I just finished this new record that I'm really excited about with my good friend, um, East Forest, who is an amazing composer and just a brilliant musician. Um, and we did this album called Ritual Mystical, which is getting ready to release in the next couple of weeks. And the idea or the, you know, sort of the seed behind this record was we wanted to create a, a record that was kind of ambient, and electronic and something that could really sort of lend itself to yoga practice and just really kind of daily mindful living. So it's not really heavy with lyrics. There's some words on there. It's more about feeling and texture. And there's some really beautiful pieces of music on there that I'm really excited to share with people. And and so Ritual Mystical um, is the name of that CD. And then the other thing that I'm working on right now that I'm really excited about is, is being able to share all these stories and all these lessons that I learned in the form of this um, book that I'm writing called Spiritual Graffiti, um, kind of the story of how I became MC Yogi. And that's hopefully going to be coming out early next year. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be traveling a lot. I think I'm gone almost every weekend this year. Um, performing at sometimes, well, this past cycle I was doing two, three cities a weekend. Um, but we'll be sort of on the road, teaching, um, sharing music and stories. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can, you know, 
find 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 us out there and we can we can share some bliss together. Right. And uh, we should uh, let the listeners know because we mentioned dates and time periods. We're now talking at the uh, beginning of June in 2016. Mm-hmm. By the time somebody hears this, because they're all archived on our website, the album may already be out. The book may be coming up soon. So the book will be out sometime early in 2017. Right. And we'll have you back on mm-hmm. to talk about a- that. A- a- absolutely. And the website, uh, mcyogi.com. Uh, the tour schedule, everything's there. And I, uh, MC, I'm very, very excited uh, to go to your, one of your concerts, hear you live, uh, and groove on the energy. And I, I just, you know, uh, I'm very excited to do that. So looking forward to meeting you in person sometime. And I really want to thank you for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Well, you know, it's, it's like I said earlier, guys, like speaking with uh, like-minded individuals who have really, you know, devoted their lives to, to, to that, to the inner life and, and doing the practice and, and really helping to bring these teachings out into the world. It's just such a huge honor and privilege to be associated and to be in your company. And I really appreciate it. Well, Thank you. it's been great having you keep up the good work. I hope to see you at some festival or if you come to LA, we'll see you there. All, all awesome. the best. Maybe we can listen to, some, listen to some Beatles together. Great. Okay. <laughs> see you.